This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. So how do we live faithful in the midst of chronic pain? I told my wife this morning, I said, I'm going to go preach to myself for four hours. <laughs> I've been doing so since 8 a.m. this morning. So, <clears throat> You see, the goal of our life is not to escape from pain, but to learn how to be faithful in the midst of pain. The goal, when chronic pain kicks in, the goal cannot be relief. It has to be faithfulness. Because relief might not be possible. I remember Rachel and I have been to doctors upon doctors for Lyme's disease and trying to figure out, you know, how to manage and all those things. And I remember one of the last doctors I came to, as we were talking, they just said, look, there's only really one thing you can do. Just try to live as healthy as you can uh, and just uh, continue on. Try to live as healthy as you can while enduring the suffering that you're enduring. And you know, that, that can be a pretty debilitating thing to hear. And I'm, I, I would assume that many of you in here today have heard similar things. Like, for instance, your back's going to hurt. Your, your arm's always going to hurt. Your neck's always going to hurt. Your disease is always going to uh, be there. You're going to have to live how, you're going to have to learn to live faithful in the midst of it. And it's a hard thing to wrestle with. Uh, but here's, here's what I know. I know that I, my type of pain is not your type of pain. My level of pain is not your level of pain. Many of you here today are experiencing more pain than I've ever experienced. Some of you are experiencing pain today that's a different type of pain than I've experienced. And I don't want to in any way make you think that my pain is similar to yours. I believe that many of us today are suffering with chronic pain. I think that some of you in here today know people and love people, spouses, friends, children, parents, who are struggling with chronic pain. Some of this pain is relational. Some of this pain is physical. And some of this pain is emotional. And maybe there's another type of pain that you're struggling with today. And I know that a lot of times, even emotional and relational uh, pain can cause physical pain. Right? So today, this morning, what I want to do is I want to let you a little bit into my journey while at the same time hopefully giving hope for us all in the midst of this journey. And what we're going to do is I'm going to try to take what we're experiencing today and understand what God would have for us today by going specifically to King David's psalm in Psalm 38. Now, I know uh, many of you may be wondering, like, what is chronic pain or whatever it may be. Um, Chronic pain is defined as three to six months or more of continual pain that is debilitating in some way. It causes emotional changes, mental changes, physical changes. It causes life changes in some way because of the pain. The pain causes changes in your life. It's, it's not some sort of pain that lasts a week or, or maybe even that doesn't really affect you, but instead it's a pain that continues for at least three to six months and has some effect on your daily life. So as we engage chronic pain together and look at what Scripture has to speak into that, I hope that we will come away knowing that despite our struggles, whether it be our sin, someone else's sin, or simply Uh, natural life and living and evil around us that has caused this pain in our life, God is not distant from us. God is not distant from us in the midst of this pain. 
I want to start here because I believe that we, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. There has been plenty of times in my life that I've been angry at God for pain. Over the past, at least specifically three years, there's been time where I've been times where I've been angry at God. Now, as I say that, here's two things I know about that. One is, it tells me that I believe in God, and second, it tells me my pain is severe. And I want to encourage you in that because somebody in here today might be feeling like, you may be sitting there like, Matt, I'm going through pain and I'm just angry at God. I want to reassure you this morning, there's times throughout Scripture and Psalms where David is angry. He's struggling. He's wrestling with pain. And I'm going to take you deep dive into Psalm 38 where, it's, where we see David's pain on full display and his struggle with it. And so I know that if you've been angry at God or currently even in this moment you're angry at God for the pain that you're experiencing, relational, physical, uh, emotional, or whatever it may be, I know that and I hope that we can both come to the table knowing this end result. We believe in God, but our pain is severe. Our God is not distant from us. He is with us, and this is not our eternal outlook. It's not our eternal outlook. Okay, let's look, let's look into Psalm 38 together. It says in verse 1, Lord, do not punish me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has pressed down on me. There is no soundness in my body because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. I want, to pa- I want you to pause there for a second. This specific pain that David is experiencing, he is attributing to God's discipline in his life because of his sin with Bathsheba. Alright, so he specifically did something that's caused relationships to tear apart, anxiety within his heart, and he believes that that stress and anxiety has induced some sort of pain from separation and from enemies attacking him because of the sin he committed that has caused him to be ostracized, it's caused physical, relational, emotional pain in his life, and uh, he believes that God is bringing him back to righteousness by experiencing the result of his own sin. Okay, so he's experiencing pain because of something he did. Now, many of us will experience this throughout our lives. There will be things that, you know, I think about the doctor that tells you, at, or me one day, or whoever it may be, at, you know, 60 years old, let's say, your doctor tells you, if you continue living the way you're living and eating the way you're eating, you're going to die. And you have options there, right? You can come away from that and say, okay, I need to trust my doctor and change the way I eat and change the way I live that I might, that I might continue to life on this earth. Or you can come away from it and say, well, I don't care what he has to say. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Well, if you do that, you're going to progress into, most likely progress into health struggles, pain struggles that are due to you not listening and obeying someone who is trying to help you. And so we can attribute, a lot of times we can attribute pain to something we chose to do. But that's this passage. Sometimes it's not attributed to something we've done. Sometimes it's attributed to something someone else has done to us. Sometimes it's attributed to simple natural things that go on throughout our life or throughout the the world because of sin in the world, evil in the world, disease in the world. We experience death in this world uh, because of natural forces around us and because everything is progressing towards death and yet through Christ we've been given life. And so we're experiencing those diseases and death on this earth while we await eternal life forever with God. And so 
David's experienced a specific type of result from his sin that he believes is disciplining him to turn back and do what is good. So I want you to continue with me. Verse 4. For my iniquities have flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I'm bent over and brought very low all day long. I go around in mourning. For my insides are full of burning pain and there is no soundness in my body. I am faint and severely crushed. I groan because of the anguish of my heart. Lord, my every desire is in front of you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart races. My strength leaves me. And even the light of my eyes has faded. My loved ones and friends stand back from affliction. And my relatives stand at a distance. Those who intend to kill me set traps. And those who want to harm me threaten to destroy me. They plot treachery all day long. I am like a deaf person. I do not hear. I am like a speechless person who does not open his mouth. I am like a man who does not hear and has no arguments in his mouth. For I put my hope in you, Lord. You will answer me my Lord, my God. For I said, don't let them rejoice over me, those who are arrogant toward me when I stumble. For I'm about to fall and my pain is constantly with me. So I confess my iniquity. I'm anxious because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and powerful. Many hate me for no reason. Those who repay evil for good attack me for pursuing good. Lord, do not abandon me. My God, do not be far from me. Hurry to help me, my Lord, my salvation. So remember, no matter what you're experiencing pain from, whether it's sin, your sin, somebody else's sin, or natural experiences within this world, remember this, your God is not distant from you in the midst of your pain. As David would say, do not be far from me, God. Brad Hambrick, a biblical counselor, tells us to ask a couple questions of our life. It's like this. Whatever situation you're in, have you asked how God would have you to live in the midst of that situation? What would God have you do in the midst of that situation? Because it's easier uh, sometimes to set our goal at relief. If our goal is relief and it's not achieved, then we fall into a depression. We fall into a place where it's like, I've got to do every single thing I can do to get relief from this. But rather, what if we asked, okay, in this situation, even not experiencing relief today, even experiencing maybe chronic pain as you're sitting here right now, in your experience, and can you ask, what would God have me do right now with this? It's something I've had to do in my own life. It's, it's, it's something I have to daily do. And again, like I've said, and I don't know how many times I've said it in here because I've said it multiple times out there. <laughs> what, what season you are in, sometimes those seasons look like, you know, you're, you're fighting. Sometimes those seasons feel like you're giving in to your pain. Sometimes those seasons feel like you're numbing. Sometimes those seasons feel like you're just needing someone else to help you up. There's different seasons we go through as we wrestle with difficult things in this life. Relational pain, emotional pain, and physical pain. We go through different seasons, and similar to grief, we, we, we struggle with this pain in different ways. And so uh, figuring out what season you are in and how God would ha- have you to live in the midst of this season will help you to discover what God has for you in life. Because remember, John 10.10 10, For the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you have, may have life and have it in abundance. Like, that is what God wants for you. Not the stealing, not the killing, and not the destroying, not the disease, not the death, not all of this pain. God wants you to have life. Okay, so let's ask of David. How did David respond in this situation that he had been placed in? He does five things here. First, he recognizes God's strength. Verse 1 and, one and 2. Look at verse 1 and 2 with me. Lord, do not punish me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has pressed down on me. We recognize how strong God is. What can God do? 
Right? Last week we talked about what can God do, what will God do. What is God possible, uh, what, God, what can God possibly do in this situation? So we're recognizing God's strength of what he can do and how he's over all things. A lot of times, if you're like me in this, you try to look at other things that are strong. Like, will this help me? Can this get me out of it? Maybe this will. Maybe this next doctor. Maybe this next medicine. And you start running to things. But I would encourage you beforehand as Christ followers that we recognize that despite all, the, all those things being potentially good things for you, you've got to recognize that ultimately the one who gives good things is the one who's strong enough to give you freedom from your death disease for eternity. And so it's placing your faith, it's placing your hope, it's placing all strength back in your God who loves you. The second thing he does, he recognizes God's strength. The second thing he does is recognize his own weakness. You see, that's a critical thing right there. What do we do normally? We flip it. Why, God, are you not doing this? Why will you not heal me? Why can't you just take care of me? Why can't you just take care of my spouse? Why can't you just take care of my friend? Why can't you do this, God? And we start to flip it around like God is weak and we start to think, okay, maybe I am strong. Maybe I need to take this into my own hands. Like maybe I just need to figure this out myself rather than giving up the glory and the strength of God. We try to take it on our own and we put all the weight on ourselves. And now what happens when we don't get relief? We start to get depressed. We start to be frustrated with ourselves, frustrated with doctors, frustrated with people around us, and ultimately frustrated with God. And so David gives us a clear picture of what it looks like to be weak, and he does it in three ways, right? He shows us the physical pain. In verse 3, he says, there's no soundness in my body. He says, there's no health in my bones. He, he then says, my wounds are foul and festering. At the end of it, he says, my pain is constantly with me. So he has physical pain, but he also has relational pain. Look at verse 11. It says, My loved ones and friends stand back from my affliction, and my relatives stand at a distance. That word uh, in there in Hebrew is uh, used four times in Leviticus for uh, when people would stand away from lepers. So most likely what it means is not that David had leprosy, but rather that people were treating him like a leper. Y'all, there's relational pain in the midst of chronic pain. When you push everybody away and you divide yourself out and you focus in on yourself and you pity yourself and, and become jealous of others, you automatically create a division between you and others because your pain is greater. They don't know what you're dealing with and now they can't console you. They can't have compassion on you because you've become your isolated strength. You become your isolated warrior and you fight alone. And that's not a good place to be. Alone in the midst of chronic pain just sets you into another place of thinking, no one's with me. No one cares about me. I've seen many people take this to, to Twitter, to Facebook. You know, they want to dump their pain on Facebook. Y'all, Facebook can't do anything for you. We, we have to press into what can be our strength, like people around us, like our God who's given us those people, like great physicians who are Christ-minded. And so what David does here is he, he recognizes God's strength, he recognizes his weakness, and then he goes, okay, because of God's strength and my weakness, verse 15. Because what, what I want to say in the midst of this is, for I have hope that I'll have relief. Amen? <laughs> like, 
Are you with me? Somebody in this room is suffering from pain. You're going, man, I just want to be away from this pain. And look at what David says. He says, For I put my hope in you, Lord. Man, there's been nights. I know you've done it. But there's been nights I've been on the floor when my family's asleep in pain. I've, I've gone to the emergency room in the middle of the night. I've, I was working on my doctor in 2022 and I had debilitating pain where I felt like I couldn't even get up to write my papers. I've been in those places where it's like, I don't think I have any hope. And David reminds us of what? My hope is in who? The Lord. Today, you, man, you may have lost hope for your spouse, your friend, your brother, your sister, your child, a parent, um, whoever it may be. And I encourage you in this. In the midst of those moments where you feel like you have nothing else, don't forget who your strength is. Because if your strength is yourself and you're on the floor and you have nothing left, then you'll recognize your weakness and have no strength. And if you're, honestly, if your strength is in some things in this world, like medicines, when they run out, like doctors, well, sometimes they tell you they, they can't do anything else for you. I have a wonderful saint. Man, just a wonderful godly woman in our uh, first service. I love her. Like, she came up to me after the end of the, uh, of the first service, and she said, she said, Pastor Matt, uh, cancer's been the, one of the greatest blessings of my life. And I just like, like, I can't like even process that, you know? And I love her, and I, and I looked at her, and I'm, I'm like, she said, I've never been closer to the Lord. I'm going to die, but I've never been closer to the Lord. And I said, well, you are a blessing to me to show me how to endure. And she said, see, it's another blessing. And I'm like, ah, like, what does it look like to live in the midst of your disease? I mean, because sometimes we're not going to get out of it. And I, I you guys, you can, you can be angry at it. You can even hate it. It's okay. Because here's what God did. He saw us in our pain. He saw us in our death. He saw us in disease. He saw us in sin. And in the midst of that, He sent His Son into it to endure pain, to endure relational separation. His friends abandoned Him. His family abandoned Him to endure emotional pain. He bled tears. Uh, or he, t- uh, he had tears coming, uh, blood coming out of His eyes. And He took the cross upon Himself, bearing the worst sort of pain the Romans could figure out how to make Him bear for you. My God is not the enemy who has put you in the pain so that you may experience death and disease in this world and experience hell on earth so you can experience hell for eternity. Rather, He's the God who saved you out of it by enduring it so that even though you experience hell on earth and pain on earth, you might experience freedom from that pain for eternity. How good is that to know? Like I'm looking out there as saints who are struggling with cancer, struggling with Lyme, who are struggling with back pain, neck pain, debilitating pain. You've, you've gone throughout your life. You're hurting because somebody's passed away that you loved. All those things. I look out there and I see you and I know you're in here. And I want, you to, I want to just remind you of something today. Your God is not the author of your evil and disease. Your God is the Savior of your life. We've got to remind ourselves of this because when we're stuck on the floor desperately crying out to God, we need to remind ourselves of who our Savior is.
David then shifts. He's God's strength, our weakness. Hope is only in him. He knows that his sin has led him into this pain. And so he confesses. Verse 18. He says, so I confess my iniquity. I'm anxious because of my sin. There's his emotional toil. He's got emotional pain, physical pain, relational pain, and yet he, he recognizes who his enemy is. His enemy is, 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 the, is, the, is the enemy. His enemy is Satan. He recognizes his enemy in this moment, so he knows how to conquer the enemy because the enemy wants to lie still, kill, destroy, wants to rob him of life, so he recognizes what the enemy is doing and he confesses his iniquity because that's the way that he's going to conquer, overcome, defeat Satan. He says, I confess my iniquity, but then he recognizes the enemies in verse 19. He says, but my enemies are vigorous and powerful. Many hate me for no reason. Those who repay me evil for good attack me for pursuing good. And so here's what he does. He, he categorizes, and I encourage you to do this in your life, categorizes. Paul Hoffman says, we're the closest to hell that we'll ever be. Uh, categorize that hell on earth that you're experiencing. Put them all in this category. And go, There's evil ones attacking me. They're all under the umbrella of Satan. He's trying to bring me down. He's trying to destroy me. He's trying to rob me what God has for me. And then over here you have a category of kingdom of heaven on earth that's life. You got death and you got life and you look at it and you go, okay, I can live and wallow around like a pig in the middle of this hell on earth. Or I can find the life that God has for me and live in the midst of it. And I encourage you this morning to recognize who your enemy is. Your God is not your enemy. He's your Savior. And if He's your Savior... Identify the hell on earth that the enemy is trying to attack you with and live in the life that God has for you. For the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. David concludes with verse 21-22, basically repeating, but also showing us a little bit behind the scenes. You see, David has patience for God, but not patience in his relief. And you know, that's just real, y'all. It's just raw. I can encourage you all day long to not set relief as your goal. But the reality is we are all broken. We are all hurting. And we desperately want relief. And whether that comes on earth or in heaven, we can find ourselves right in this passage with David. Lord, do not abandon me. My God, do not be far from me. Hurry to help me, my Lord, my salvation. He trusts God. He fully trusts God. He has hope in God. But he wants relief. Man, we we find ourselves in good company, don't we? Saints of old, struggling with sin, wrestling and battling in this world, declaring who our God is, and longing for heaven, longing for freedom. I want to give you a couple ways that you can minister God's Word to others. But this passage, maybe, maybe it needs to minister to you this morning. But maybe it needs to minister to someone else who is, who's around you, a spouse, a friend, coworker, whoever it may be. So first, I want to encourage you to understand what season they are in. 
David's in a season right now, right? He's in a specific time where he's calling out in a specific way. There are going to be times where the people around you are in different seasons of their life and they need you to treat them as, as, as they are, where they lie, what situation they are in. As Pastor Bill would call it, our biblical counselor on campus, he calls it this. He says, seek first to understand. You've got to know where they are to know where you're going to lead them. And man, I've been in so many different seasons. I've already told you this. Look at, look at four seasons I have for you. Here, here's four seasons that you might find your friend in who's in chronic pain. First is they're doubting God's goodness. This is the, the good things that God has for you. Like, does God want good for me? Has God blessed me with good things? It's like this. When I, when I fix my mind on my pain rather than looking at the blessing of my bride and my three children... You start to doubt God's goodness because you go, well, is this even, is it worth it to endure pain? Is it worth it to continue forward? Some of you in here today are struggling so much emotionally and physically that you're asking yourself the question, I don't know if I can even move forward because God's goodness does not outweigh the, 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 uh, the pain that I'm experiencing today. And you're almost putting it on the chart. Like, I've been there. I know what that feels like to doubt God's goodness. Maybe, maybe some are not, not really doubting, but are exploring. Maybe you're just exploring the compassion of God. Here's what the compassion of God looks like. It, it, it questions whether or not God has mercy towards you, grace extended towards you, love for you in the season that you're in. It's not just about the goodness of God, but it's like, God, do you even care about me? God, do you care what I'm feeling? Like the Egyptians and... Uh, uh, and the Israelites in Exodus chapter 1, they're crying out to the Lord, like, where are you, God? And waiting for God to do something. Exploring the compassion of God to see if you actually have a merciful God. You might find them wrestling with God's plan. They're not necessarily doubting God's goodness or exploring the compassion of God, but rather they're looking at it like, okay, God, if this is, my, if this is what I'm dealing with, what do you have for me? Why would you give me this? I understand you're a good God and you've got, you've got great compassion and you've given me wonderful things, but what am I supposed to do with this? Am I supposed to wake up in pain every day? Are you supposed to wake up without your parents every day because they've passed away or your child passed away too early or your, your spouse or, or whatever it may be? Uh, are you supposed to experience uh, cancer in this life? Are we supposed to go through these pains in our life? And you start to, you know, ask God, what, what are you doing with this? Why are you letting me endure this? What's the plan? Like, show me the plan. Some of you may be in that season where you're just like, I understand that I'm enduring it, but give me the plan, God. Like, show me what I need to do. And then some of you might be in the season where I find myself often. You just, you simply do what God's called you to do to be obedient to God. You might still be struggling. You might still be, you know, God, why aren't you delivering me from this? Um, where are you? Why are you far from me? Um, uh, even doubting God's plan for you. And you're like, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. Yet you remain faithful because you know that God's called you to do what you're doing. Husbands, loving your spouse despite your struggle. Wives, loving your husbands. Parents, speaking kindly and patiently to your kids even if you're struggling with a chronic illness. 
It's doing what is right. It's obedience to God even when you're struggling. Now, you've got to be careful here because if you find somebody in that season, here's what you need to do. This is my second challenge for you. Draw them into the goodness of God. It's in the goodness of God that we find true obedience. We find the good obedience, that, that not, not the obedience that is out of a response of, of, of just sustaining, but out of an obedience of, of good, good blessings and mercy and compassion, understanding who God is, understanding where we're at, and responding because of how we recognize the life that God has given us, and we separate out the hell that Satan is trying to win us over into. You draw them into the goodness. You bring them into the goodness by showing them God's goodness and compassion and sovereignty. You know the old adage, I mean, you know, your parents have probably said it to you. I heard it many a times when a cashier or a waiter is really frustrated with you and they do something that you're like, I can't believe they just did that. It was like really rude and you're like, isn't a cashier supposed to be nice? <laughs> isn't a waiter supposed to be really nice to me? Aren't, the, aren't I paying them? Like you get in that mindset? And you know what your parents said to you, right? You don't know what kind of day they had. And you're like, well, but shouldn't they still be loving? Shouldn't they still be caring? And all these different things. Here's the thing. We can look at people's actions only. But if God did that with us, we'd be in hell for eternity. So here's what I urge you to do. When you're looking at somebody who's dealing with chronic pain or chronic disease, um, relational strife, all those different things. When you're looking at somebody like that, don't necessarily judge their actions. I understand there's biblical precedence here. But if God did that with us, we'd be in hell for eternity. Instead, He looks at us, sees us as the creation that we are, that He loves, and saves us because of His Son, Jesus Christ, coming into the world and experiencing everything we've experienced. Like you gotta, you got to look at somebody and you got to see past their choices, past what their, anger's, uh, their pain's causing them to have anger, their pain's causing them to, to be, mistreat their kids uh, uh, verbally, and their pain's causing them to separate out from people, or their pain's causing them to, to do something they would never have done before. And you see all those actions and you go, this is a, this is a, a broken person. One step further and you discover what really is the problem. They're dealing with chronic pain and they have not found a savior in the midst of it. Or they've just lost him. Or they've just uh, wandered away and tried to find other things. Or, or they just forgot the goodness of God. And what you're really doing is you're just leading them back to the goodness of God, which will then correct actions. Because what does scripture say? The kindness of God leads us into repentance. Amen? The kindness of God leads us into repentance. So we're showing them again the kindness of God, the goodness of God. You see, a goal in, in dealing with chronic pain is to shift from unholy emotions to holy emotions. You see them on the, you'll see them on the screen. Shifting them from unholy emotions or yourself or me to from unholy emotions to holy emotions like this. Um, maybe you're in your season where you have condemning anger. And, and what we want to do is move to that righteous anger, right? But we can't combat emotional attacks until we recognize our enemy. This is what happens in verses 19 through 20. In, in uh, chapter 38, David recognizes his enemies. He knows who's out to attack him. The source is Satan, and, and uh, he's trying to bring David down or destroy David. But, but David confesses his sin because he knows that the way to counter the attacks of the enemy is to repent and pursue. 
That's the way we counter attacks by the enemy is we repent from sin and we pursue after God. And so we can be angry at God or we can be angry at evil, disease, death. Take out anger on what is wicked. Jesus models this in the temple when he uh, throws over the tables. Uh, Jesus models for us what it looks like to be angry at sin in a righteous way. And so this morning, if you're angry, I want to shift that anger towards something that is good. And this is the way you do it. You recognize the source. But God, again, did God, did God want for us to experience hell on earth? Did God want for us to sin against Him? Did God create you to experience death and, and disease and all these different things? That's not what God wants for you. In fact, it tells us in Scripture that He's patient with the objects of wrath that they might come into repentance. Like God, is, God longs for all of creation to come back to Him. Not all creation will, but He's patient with us. And so we look at all that and we go, okay, where's, where's my anger? Where should my anger be at? Should my anger be at the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy or the one who comes to give life? Another emotion that we see is jealousy. Jealousy, what that does in the midst of chronic pain is it's like this. Uh, I mean, that person, they think that they experience pain. It's nothing like what I experience. Here's, here's another way it looks like, man, they're going through a disease. Well, if only they knew what I'm going through. Or jealousy looks something like this. Man, that person doesn't have any pain. That person, it looks like so, their life is so good. Their family's all around them. They have everything. And you start to go... Here's what you do. You remember you have hell, you have life and heaven, and you start to go, I want their life. Or, even worse, I'll give them my hell and I'll take their life. Right? That's what jealousy does. And it it brings up its ugly head in the midst of chronic pain because we start to look at other people like, man, I wish I had that life. But you see, we won't celebrate our friends' victories until we are content with our own situation. You know, this is hard. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to act like this is super easy. But Paul tells us to do it in Philippians, right? How to find contentment in our situation. To go, I trust you, God. I, I'm, I'm going to live this life. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I, I trust you, God. I, not that you're not angry at sin, Satan, and death, but instead... I believe that God has something better for me. I find contentment in my life when I believe and I know and I trust that God has something for me and that this isn't my end. I'm okay to live faithful right now because I know that my God has something better for me. And all of a sudden we start to shift into a celebration mode. It's not jealousy of what someone else has experienced. I'm excited for them because I get to start to see what heaven's going to look like a little bit more. Amen? I, st- I get to start to see what it's going to look like in heaven when I, when I see people who have overcome disease. Because in, in heaven, there's not going to be any disease, right? I, I get to see a little bit of a glimpse of heaven when marriages are reunited. When, when, when orphans are adopted. When the least of these are protected and provided for. We get to see glimpses of heaven on earth as we get to see those things. And now we're not going, I wish I had what they had. But we go, I, I can't wait. I'm excited. I love that. I'm, I'm excited for you to have what you have. I'm going to be there one day. You know what I'm saying? 
We see this in verses 3 through 17. The third emotion, an unhealthy emotion that can come up is pity. Pity's a dangerous one. Here's what pity says. Something like this in the midst of chronic pain. I feel so bad for them. I'm so glad I don't have that. Man, that's a terrible situation. I'm glad I'm not in that situation. This is one of the most natural emotions that come up when people see people in third world countries or something. It's like, man, that's so terrible for them. Or when you see a commercial online for children who have cancer, uh, you, you see this commercial and you're like, man, I'm so glad I don't have that. I'm so glad I'm not experiencing that, right? And we all, we all of a sudden, we start, to, we start to have pity towards them. Like, man, that stinks. Like, what can I do for them? Like, man, that's a terrible thing that's happening to them. We start to distance ourselves from them. Here's the difference between pity and compassion. Compassion, ser- or, sorry, pity serves me. But compassion serves others. Pity serves me, but compassion serves others. You see, pity makes me feel better about my situation. But compassion makes someone else feel better about their situation. Pity makes me feel better because I'm not in their situation. Compassion makes them feel better because I'm now in their situation. Because I step into the mess. I step into the pain. I learn from them. I listen to them. Here's what you got to do. You got to look at their prayers, look at their struggles, look at their heart, look at their actions. You put all of it together and you look at their poems or, or hymns that they've wrote or, or, or the way they speak to their friends and their spouse and their coworkers. And you put it all together and you go, man, I see your pain. And I want to walk with you in it. Because pity makes me feel better, but compassion puts me in the middle of it, and hopefully in God's grace will draw them up into his life that he has for them. So we shift from pity to compassion through immersion. I want to give you a couple gospel responses for you this morning as the band comes. And Heath Lambert says to cling on to four things. I thought maybe this will help for you too to remember. He's, I, apparently, I'm not the only person that starts like uh, sayings with the same letter, so I appreciate this. Uh, he says, go to these four things when you're in chronic pain. Prayer, people, uh, physicians, good physicians, people that, uh, physicians that you can trust, and promises. God's promises. So you're clinging to these four Ps. I'm going to pray. I'm going to look at God's people and trust them. I'm going to go to good physicians who are Christ-centered. And I'm going to cling to God's promises in the midst of this. And if you haven't done that, I encourage you to recenter your life around those four things and to inspire others around you who are dealing with chronic pain to do the same. So here's your gospel responses this morning. Would you discuss, discuss your goals with a spiritual leader? Sit down with somebody whom you trust who's spiritual. Maybe somebody right around you or maybe one of our biblical counselors. Connect with Pastor Bill about this. Connect with somebody and just put it in front of them to say, how can I live faithful in the midst of this situation? And present them with it. You know, This is how I hurt. This is when I hurt. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what Doc says. All those different things. How can I live faithful in the midst of that? Now, if it's not an emergency situation, I would encourage you to go to a spiritual leader first. If you've already gone to doctors, make sure it's not an emergency situation, okay? Then step into the doctor's office, Christ-centered doctor who wants what is good for you, who deeply cares about you. Find a doctor that wants good for you. As you meet with them, communicating goals. My goal is not just pain relief, but rather life in the midst of pain. Okay? My goal is not to just numb, but how to live. My goal is not to escape, but how to thrive. My goal is the abundant life God has given me, not this kill, still and destroy the devil, uh, the, the devil wants for me.
So would you discuss goals with a spiritual leader? Would you discuss goals with a physician who's Christ-centered? And third, would you memorize three promises concerning your health journey? If you haven't done this, I encourage you to do it. It'll help you in processing it. Psalms is good. I can give you other recommendations depending on what you're suffering from. And then finally, Joni Erickson Erickson Tata, she uh, deals with chronic pain, uh, tragic accident. You can read about it and study up on it. Um, Pretty amazing story. I'm not saying everything she writes or her daily devotionals are perfect, but I would say if every morning you just need a little refresher and you're dealing with chronic pain, I think this would be a good resource for you. It's online. It's free. Uh, Maybe it'll help you out every morning to reset your mind around that prayer promises people and physicians to help you. All right, I'm going to pray for you. But as we do, I want to just remind you of this. Your God saw you in your pain and was not willing to leave you there. The gospel is that God saw you in the midst of sin, Satan, and death. He came into the midst of it to deliver you out of it for eternity. And as much as you're going to experience hell on this earth, I hope in God's grace that it will be temporary. I hope that it won't be uh, severe. But I remember Corinthians, it tells me this. For this is a momentary light affliction as we prepare for the eternal weight of glory. God has something prepared for you. This is not the end. Your pain is not your story. Your resurrection is. Let me pray for you. God, we love you and we trust you. We believe that you have good for us even in the midst of this evil. I trust God that you are delivering people even right now from the clutches of chronic pain from the effects of it with anger and with impatience from the result of it from the sin that tries to creep in from this from satan who tries to tempt in the midst of it i pray god you would deliver us out of it i pray father that you would get all the glory for it and i pray god that you would mean it for our good that you would bring us into your goodness and your character as we fight here on earth. So Father, we love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. You unravel me with a melody You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies to load my fears Amen. I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God
to your family your blood flows through my veins I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God for help out of a situation and you need help, we do have biblical counselors on campus who will help you. Don't do this alone. If you feel like you need a little bit extra help, we're here. Pastor Bill's the one to go to. You can also, if you want to kind of stay uh, to yourself in private, you can just email counsel at discoverwbc.com and we'll respond that way, all right? Only Pastor Bill and I have access to that email uh, so that's an easy way to get through to us in a private way. All right. We love you guys. We're glad you're here. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.